So Matt's got a real smorgasbord, would you call it? 100%. 100%. So sit back. You're going to have um, not only hearing the word of the Lord today, but we're also going to hear just an invitation from what we think God's calling us to as we kick off our first Sunday in January, or as Cherie, our e-letter person says, let's launch into Jump Into Dree, right? That's our theme. So Matt, let me pray for you. Yeah, thank you, Lord, that we... Um, we have a guy here that just loves you so much and is so, so after all the things that you have for him. And right now you've put stuff on his heart to share and we just know that you're going to speak through it. And so we just adjust our ears and our hearts to be listening to what you're going to say through him. Amen. Thank you. Good morning. Good start. It is a smorgasbord. There's really three parts to this meal. Uh, part one, maybe the entree. I'm going to talk a little bit. Part two, maybe the main part of the meal. Um, we're going to watch a, a video for about 10 minutes. And part three, I'm going to be getting the dessert, of course. I'm going to be inviting a couple of people up to have a bit of a, a Q&A with me. Nothing to worry about, those two people, I can, I can assure you. They do know who they are. So if you're, if you're sitting there thinking, oh my gosh, is he going to call me up? No, I, no I'm not. Okay. <clears throat> Story. When I spoke here in November, I talked about my observations and reflections on my first three months in the then freshly minted role of community engagement person, brilliant title. And using various pieces of art as props, I talked about our need for one another. And today I want to look at a key way, um, arguably the most significant way, in which we build community, build relationship, build knowledge of one another, build care, build love, build concern for one another. I want to have a look at the idea of story and storytelling in our lives. There's a lovely quote from the American poet Muriel Rukeyser who says, the universe is made of stories, not atoms. Now, I'm sure that the universe is made of atoms in part, <laughs> but I actually believe that, that it's stories that, that really do make the world go round and, and progress the world. I don't think that what I'm going to talk about today is particularly complex concept to play with. Um, and equally, there's quite possibly absolutely nothing new that you are going to take away from this. And I'm so glad that Rob Carter twisted that of Ecclesiastes because I'm about to twist a verse out of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes reminds us that there is nothing new under the sun. And you know what? There might well be nothing new that keeps you awake tonight as you ponder upon the deep secrets and the immutable truths that Matt brought to us through his talk this morning. <laughs> but perhaps, and hopefully, these next however many minutes it will be might serve as an encouragement to you. I sure hope so for a couple of reasons. One, I have no desire to waste anybody's time. And secondly, I'm hoping that some elements of storytelling become a key component of an idea or two that I'm currently playing with and talking with Dai about that I hope to bring 
into my role as community engagement person across the next six months. One way or another, we both tell stories and listen or follow stories. We love stories in movies, in songs, in music, in books, in art, in Netflix TV series, in the journeys of our favourite sports team and sportsmen and women. Those stories, and when we're not following stories, we're telling stories, creating stories, sharing stories. Friends, it's all around us. We're well and truly in the story. Cast your minds back, if you will, um, a few weeks ago when Barry shared with us a couple of chapters of his upcoming, soon-to-be best-selling, I'm sure, autobiography. How good was that? I mean, it was. You're 100% right. Jennifer, it was so good. We listened to a couple of chapters, and we immediately know Barry a little bit better than we did previously. The bones of his story have, are starting to have some flesh on them. And that's exciting. Personally, I'm always intrigued by people's stories. And one of the many joys of my role here at YVV has been to sit down with people and hear about their journeys, their stories, to have people share their triumphs, tragedies, thoughts, hopes, dreams, wild, wild ideas with me. It's just an absolute privilege. And it's the same when I'm driving Uber. Having people share their stories with me is simultaneously an enormous privilege and truly humbling. Sometimes I think that people use me in my car doing Uber as something of a confessional. And on the things that I've heard honestly are incredible. So I often hear people say, hey Matt, can I tell you something that I've never told anybody before? And I say to people, yeah, you, you can. But if you're about to tell me that you've murdered somebody, don't think that I'm going to keep that information to myself. So just really think before you, before you share with me. Happy to say nobody has told me that. Okay, Mr. Carter, could I... For a moment, please. Could I just set you up here? Yep. Is that good? Okay. You just stay there and think about mangling verses of Ecclesiastes. Okay. Yeah. You know those moments in life when... You know those moments in life when you're walking, you're walking down the street and you might pass somebody who they might be on their phone, for example. Have you got your phone on you? Can I just borrow a phone? We'll try not to turn this on. Might need that. <laughs> so those moments in life where you're walking past somebody and you just catch a, a snippet, maybe eight or nine words of what the person might be talking into their phone. So Rob, I just want you to walk by me as I, as I say what I'm about to say, okay? And then he said, I'm not going back to jail. That's very good. Now you come back again, Rob. No, I said get the big cucumbers. <laughs> oh, he's an absolute nightmare. I'm not going back to him. I don't know. I don't think we're ever going to get those Taylor Swift tickets. 
And then that fleeting second, that moment is past, and you're left pondering, thinking to yourself, well, I'm glad to hear that he's not going back to jail, but I, I do wonder what he was in jail for. And uh, that must be some salad if they really need the big cucumbers. And uh, sounds like you're probably better off without him if he really is an absolute nightmare. And, yeah, join the club, girlfriend. Lots of people are finding it hard to get Taylor Swift tickets. So we, we hear these moments, these um, vignettes in a way. We're left with more questions than answers. I think story moves us forward in our personal relationships, in our families, in our employment, in our church family, in everything. In Genesis, we're told that we are made in God's image. And if we accept, as we surely must, that God is the ultimate storyteller, well, it stands to reason that we are built to tell stories too. History is a story, the story, with God as the author. And if we choose, it's a bit corny, but we can see history as his story. How wonderful it is that the author of everything is so in love with us, that he desires us, you, me, all of us, to be significant, loved participants of his story. In his story, every person matters. Each has a part to play. We know that much of the world does not recognise that there is an ultimate storyteller, God. And that's terribly sad on so many fronts. If one does not know God as the author, it must be so terribly difficult to have a real understanding of how one is intended to fit into the story. And in the story that God has created and is creating, he is both author, the creator, and also character as he walks on the earth as a man, Jesus. And I guess it's absolutely no surprise here that Jesus himself was a master storyteller, sharing important truths about God. And how did he do that? By telling stories. So clearly we are the main characters of our own story. And what are we gonna do with our own stories? How will our remaining chapters play out? Everything is a story. The world is made up of story after story after story, which leads to one vast story, his story. This week I was talking with somebody who right now remains anonymous, and this person said to me, hey Matt, we're all a bit of a story in progress with a few more chapters to go. I love that quote. Um, it might have been Liz who said that to me, but I could neither confirm nor deny that. But that is a great line though, Liz, so thanks very much. We're all connected one way or another. We share the planet with billions of other travelers. That's a lot of stories to be explored. One of the things I often ponder about church community is just how very different people from different backgrounds, different life experiences, different hopes, dreams come together to form a functional, functioning church family. It's a remarkable thing. It's like, it shouldn't really work, but somehow it does. And as we get to know people deeper by sharing our lives, our stories with one another, it grows. So I'm gonna share a couple of things with you this morning about my life. I think that at age 55, 
I've got a pretty sane estimate of myself now and the things that I can and cannot do. If you'd like me to come and build a new kitchen for you, don't ask me. I am not the man to do this for you. It will be a disaster. But I've come to learn one or two of the things that um, God's given me some ability in. And I know that one of those things is storytelling. Concluding eight years ago, I was um, CEO of an organisation based in Hawthorne, coming out of Hawthorne West Baptist Church called Servants Community Housing. Utilising a truly wonderful model of housing, we housed up to 95 people, homeless men and women, um, in Hawthorne, Kew, Canterbury, Baldwin. It was very special. I was there a long time and I got to develop very deep relationships with our residents. And most of our residents were on low income and had suffered or were continuing to suffer from chronic mental health conditions. We were in Hawthorne, leafy, posh, wealthy Hawthorne, surrounded by private schools where people in today's dollars were paying $40,000 a year to have their children allegedly educated. I went to Scotch College one day on a whim and said, I've got this crazy idea about telling the stories of my residents and their mental health struggles um, in the form of a play. And I'd like to explore with you, Scotch College, the possibility of your students taking this on as a project. I expected to be given a short, sharp slap around the face and told to be on your way, my man. But fortunately, they said, that's brilliant. Let's, let's plan this. So we spent a few weeks planning it, and then we brought it to life. And we ended up with a piece of theater where Scotch College students played my residence and talked of what it was to live with an acute mental illness. One week into this project, an independent filmmaker heard what we were doing and said, can I please film that? Can I please document it? Said, sure. So what I'm about to show you now is the first nine minutes and 45 seconds, I think, of a documentary called Voices from Caracal. Caracal was the name of the, the, one of the houses that we, we, we operated in Hawthorne. And the reason that I want you to see this is, well, one, it shows you a little bit of my past and what kind of puts wind in my sails, I guess. But two, it was this extraordinary convergence of private school boys telling the stories of men and women, but predominantly men, decades older than they were, who had these terrible issues that they lived with. So I've seen this about a million times, so um, I'm pretty used to it, so I'm going to be intrigued to see how, how you respond to it. I know that Di's seen it all the way through. And, um, yeah, I'll see you in about 9 minutes and 45 seconds. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. It starts, it starts, it starts quite, quite black on the screen, screen before, before some, some writing, writing comes in. So don't think, oh, it's not working. I think it is working. Yes, Harry? Yes. And, uh, yeah, hopefully you'll get the feel for it. Oh, you might see yours truly there, a little bit younger.
My personal belief is uh, people with more than a one-track mind are great. Um, and some people might look at that as schizophrenia. I don't believe that at all. I think it's one of the gifts of life that we have emotions, uh, different feelings, we can think on different levels. So a coast creeps up on you from the behind and um, just sort of one day it'll just grab you around the throat sort of thing and then you are sick, fully sick, you know, and then you just go, you go bonkers, you know. In the state that I was in, I, I cried 24 hours a day for months and months and months and months and it turned into a year and it kept going. I would encourage anyone sitting here this morning that's listening to what I'm saying and who was thinking they might have a problem with an illness to address the problem. Tell me, tell me what you guys know about this project. People are going to be researching uh, homeless people and people with mental illnesses. Then they'd be condensed into a script by the script writers, um, marketed by the marketers and then performed by the performers. You know, because there's a, a stigma attached, you know, it's a very real stigma. I mean, this, this permeates right through society. There should be more attempt to understand, you know, instead of shying away. Caracal is a pretty special place. Caracal is, is, a, is an old Victorian mansion. We're interested in the community aspect for people whose lives have disintegrated relationally, emotionally, you know, intellectually, from a mental health perspective. I think that the Caracal offers a, a safe place and a happy place. We're going to have a look around the rooming house and maybe into the mansion as well. Um, I think we'll look through it all and I'll talk a little bit along the way and I'm um, trying to give a bit of an idea as to what we do and why we do it. Let's have a look. Just open up the door, let you have a look in. Say good day to a couple. Here's our kitchen. There's a couple of meals that we prepared each day. There's Katie, you can say hello to Katie. Hello. We guys here are probably the loveliest guys. When they line up for dinner, they're always 
ready to share about the day and very, very open and we've all got such interesting stories and you learn a lot from talking as long as the family sort of thing, that's why it's good here. In a family there's all kinds of different people and people rub each other up the wrong way but deep down there's, there's a love there, you know. What I'd like to do today is just to see who's here and who's not here and also for you to just quickly talk um, about which of the groups you think you might want to be involved in. So just say researching, script writing, performing, set construction, Publicity and marketing performance. Did I say performance? MJ? Uh, yes. Um, uh, uh, Welcome. Performance. Good boy. Acting. Um, I like writing and I like stories, and I thought this would be a good chance to experience both. And I just saw something about drama and theatre performing, jumped on it. We might just have a look to see if Jackson, because I mean, Jack, it's Matt, how are you going? Oh, hi, Matt. You happy if we just film your room for a yeah, moment? Yeah, sure, sure. Okay. Yes. Yes. You met my dad before? No. This is Matt. You hey, met you Russell. Hey, Russell. Hey, Russell. Hey, Russell. Hey, Russell. Hey, Russell. Hey, Russell. Pleased to meet you. That's great. Yeah. Right. Uh, Excellent. Come in here, I'll show you my TV. <laughs> yeah, that's my big TV. Very smart competitor. Is that very nice? Thanks to Mr. Rudd. Thanks, Rudd. Thank you, Rudd. Here we've got Jason. How you going, Jason? <laughs> What's news, Jason? What's news? Um, got some acting coming up in the future. Catching up with the crews. Um, hopefully, Paradise might come back in a few. Well, hopefully by end of this queue. And um, got another bad performance coming up in a few weeks at United Church, and I'm playing drums. Yeah. Yeah. Had to go drums today, so. Yeah. Excellent. Are you happy? Are you happy to share something about your your recent marriage? Yeah. Um, we got married probably four months ago. And she's one hot woman, her name is Paradise. And she's gorgeous, she looks a bit like a younger um, shirt. <laughs> okay, good. You guys over here. Community housing. Quiet, thanks, guys. Shared housing, commissioned housing, cheaper. A section of each council that is reserved for housing commissions that houses people who cannot afford to. Pay for it. Provide for people in poorer circumstances. No places to turn. Yeah, and yep. that gives them a sense of belonging in a family. Get a sense of belonging, good, hence the term community housing sounds like that, doesn't it? People with a slight problem, like they might not be able to clean their own uh, linen and stuff, or they may not be able to look after themselves as far as meals go. They can come to a place like this, they can get that sort of service, and they can still live their own life. Their meals are cooked on a regular basis from Monday to Friday. Weekends we have to provide for ourselves. Social isolation, that's what we're really looking to avoid. Around here it's, it's good because there's a lot of people and different people have got different issues at different times and need a, an, an ear to talk to. And um, so from that point of view I, I get to do a bit of that around here to just forget myself and talk to people about their issues and stuff. Uh, we basically started going out with each other and uh, we uh, fell in love and then we decided she wanted to get married but she didn't want to get married through my church so we got married with a marriage celebrant down at Sophie's. Okay, what do we have for mental illness? Underestimated, uh, drug abuse, bipolar. Uh, disruption in thinking or brain functioning. Depression, anxiety, bipolar, schizophrenia, 
on past trauma results of substance abuse. <laughs> Hopefully catching up with Tom Cruise in the future somewhere. In, in, in my life, there's been difficulties in escapism and things like drugs, and so hence I'm gasping for another round, but never enough is what I found. I believe in treating everyone equal and living, treating other people as they treat you. They used to call depression melancholia, you know, and that's um, a good word. Probably more apt than depression. So then the chorus asks the question, how do I die to myself, in the Christian sense if you like, to live to live some, somebody else? No more mind full of me, a slave, but totally free. Yeah. Just been giving her a space because she's, we had a fight, um, we broke up and we had a misunderstanding. So I've been giving her space. And um, I have no doubt that um, she'll forgive me and she'll come back, so yeah. My mum's work, um, she's an ambassador and so she represents Uruguay in foreign countries. Well, the first place she got sent was here when I was one and a half. And we were here till I was about seven, and I went to New York till I was 15. That's when I went electric. Okay. A round of applause probably suggests that you enjoyed watching that. Um, I hope so. Yeah, interesting, the, 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 four main, the four main guys, residents who were shown. Um, three of them have now, three of them have, have since passed, since that was made in 2009. And when you hear the kind of things that were said there, I know what was true and what wasn't. <laughs> but there's a few of you wondering, is that true? Talk to me afterwards. If you'd like to see the complete doco voices from Caracal, let me know and I can arrange um, a copy to, to find you. I saw the lives of young Scotch college students change forever because of that piece of theatre. In fact, when I look at those first few minutes and I see a bit of the arrogance, a bit of the cockiness in, in one or two of the boys, I know that that had disappeared by the end. They had been so impacted by, by the process. And my residents, they loved it. They had their stories told. And we didn't stop there. We then got four private schools around the Hawthorne area, two students from each, to write a couple of books. This one's narrative, first one I've also got with me is called Anthology. And we wanted to have the resident stories in print so that people could learn from the residents. And we created the books to give them away. And I can't remember whether it was 35,000 or 45,000 copies of the book that we ended up printing. But we didn't just come and see you and give you a business card and say, hey, I'm Matt, take my card. We said, here's our books, read those. And they turned up in wild places. We had a letter from somebody in Sweden who said, enclosed his $50 or whatever, um, just been in a doctor's waiting room in Gothenburg and I, and I just happened across your book. And I thought, wow, 
this is, <laughs> this is changing the world in Sweden. How wonderful is that? It was really special and um, taught me a lot about the importance of story, the importance of narrative, which is what we called the book. Okay, so that was the second part of the meal. So we come to dessert now. Hopefully the sweetest part, but that remains to be seen. Right. Chris, come on down. Round of applause for Chris, please. Hey. So, a few rapid-fire questions, Chris. Let's yep. see how we go. Your name, sir? Chris. Oh, that's good, mate. <laughs> Solid start. How many, how many years old are you, Chris? I'm 47. 47. Where are you, where are you currently living? Uh, in London. Yep, you're nervous, aren't you? Yeah. That's okay, mate. We'll, we'll get you there. You're doing a good job. And your current occupation is what? Uh, I have an excavation business. Yeah, how long have you, how long have you had that for? Uh, uh, 12 years. Yeah, okay. I know you've got some or maybe all of your children here this morning. How many children have you got? I've got five uh, children, four are here today. Yeah, and, and what, what, what ages do they range from? Uh, 13, 11, 8, 6 and 5. Fantastic. Okay, Chris, please tell me um, the favourite foreign nation that you've visited? Uh, it'd be South Africa. Uh -huh. um, I've been to a few foreign nations, but uh, Kruger Park would be my favourite place. And I, I think I heard a whisper that you might have been born in South Africa. Is that true? Yeah. Okay. And how, how old were you when, you when you came to Australia? Five. Five. So you got memories of South Africa? Uh, just on my return... Uh, a couple of times. Return visits, yeah. yeah. Okay, Chris, if we're going to think about bucket list items, one or two things that you'd really like to achieve, accomplish, before you, you shuffle off this mortal coil, what would be, what would be on that list? <laughs> I'd really like to uh, drive a convertible, just through... Uh, <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, never, I've never driven a convertible before. Okay. I reckon that'd be really nice. Okay, let's just throw that out to the room then. If there's anybody here who can, who can help Chris with this bucket list item, you, you know how to find him. You know how old he is now as well. Chris, can you give us a, a really a real snapshot, maybe maybe 60 seconds, less if you if you want to, of your of your journey of coming to faith? Uh, yeah. So uh, when I was yeah, late 20s, probably 30, I um, yeah had a real encounter with God at an evening service. Um, yeah, and I yeah, became a Christian then, um, and then and then I drew closer still, um, just with uh, yeah my marriage breakup. A few years ago. Um, that's, is that, is that's that succinct? That's good. That's good. Two questions to go, Chris. You're doing a great job. Yeah. What are you doing for the rest of this day? I'm going to my brother's house. Uh, we're going to have some lunch there. My parents are going to turn up. Um, they have a pool, so the kids are going to love it. Play with their cousins. Sounds good. And quite a decent day for it. And Chris, finally, we're almost there. As a um, church community, what's the... Um, What's the best ways we can be praying for you um, at this time? I have some knee issues at the moment. Um, knee? Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, it's sort of impacting yeah, sort of all aspects of, of, uh, of my life. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay. 
you heard it here first. Please be praying for Chris. Yeah. Chris, thanks very much, man. No worries. Thank really you. Really good. I'll take that. Thank you. Good on you. Renee. Thank you. Now, I've got to say that Renee is particularly brave to be doing this. Because when I asked Renee whether she'd do it, she said, oh, yeah, I guess so. And I said, look, I'm happy to have a chat with you and run the questions past you. And she just said, nah, don't, don't tell me the questions. We'll just be good. It's like, whoa, this could go anywhere. <laughs> but it's not going to. I promised you that, didn't I? Okay, but th thank you for being so trusting. I appreciate that. No worries. I'm not going to ask you your age, because that, that, that would be indelicate. Um, <laughs> but you are married to... I'm married to the wonderful Adam. That's very good. Okay, how long have you been married? 22 years. Both, both in agreement, 22 years? 22 <laughs> yep. and a half. 22 yeah. and a half. And how many children? Two kids. And how old are they? 19 and 16. Fantastic. Please tell us about your wonderful pottery. Oh, I've been on a pottery journey pretty much my entire life. I started when I was in year nine when I was at school and I was chosen out of a class. Four people were chosen to focus on pottery for one semester. And so that's where my journey began. Wow. Um, I picked it up again wasn't really, you know, I, I kind of dappled on and off, but then um, as an adult, I picked it up again and did classes for a couple of years, but um, small children kind of get in the way when you... Everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, now that the kids are older, um, I really wanted to get involved again, and so I started pottery classes again about a year and a half ago with my friend Marion over there, and... Um, just taken off from there and then I was able to buy my own wheel with an inheritance that I got from my aunt. Oh, nice. So, um, and I've really, just really loved it. Yeah. They've grown a lot. And it's beautiful what you create. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Renee, tell me about your, your, your biggest, your greatest musical influence. Oh, look, um, I'm probably, I would kind of call myself a Radiohead groupie. <laughs> Um, I think they are incredibly creative. I love their music. Yeah. I How long have you followed Radiohead for? Um, since before I was married to Adam, or just soon So at least, at least 22 years. Ex yeah. Let's I've just get a quick show of hands for those of us in the room who have heard of Radiohead. Pretty good, pretty good. That's good. Yeah. So they're a band from Oxford. Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen them? I'd love to see them live. Not yet? Not yet. Okay, that's good. Okay, please tell me, please tell us about, other than the Bible, the book that you have read that has had um, the biggest impact, the biggest influence on you. One book. That's a really tough question. Oh, I know. Yeah. Um, oh, gosh, you know, I think... I can actually think of two. Is that allowed? I'm looking at the timekeeper. Yes, yeah. two's good. Um, I when I, as a young woman uh, living overseas, I read a biography called Life and Death in Shanghai. And that's written by uh, a woman who, in Shanghai 
uh, who kind of went through a lot during the Cultural Revolution. And like, I was a young missionary at the time in China and I had a lot of interest in the history and, and that kind of gave me a lot of perspective about what was actually happening there. Mm-hmm. That It was really good and I actually, like Adam, has just finished reading it again and it's a good book, a really, really good book. So that's one? That's one. The other one um, is, a, it's not a Christian book um, and it's called um, Animal Vegetable Miracle. I don't know if anyone's heard of that, but it's about a woman that went, or a family that went on a journey to only eat things that they could buy within their county. So, and they'd have to grow it, so grow it or live, or buy it within their county. So like that, how much that actually cut out of yeah. their life. So it was just living simply, and, um, and it was just like she was documenting the, thing, the things that worked and the things that didn't work and the things that they could grow. Amazing. Hmm. And it was just really inspiring. Okay. Yeah. That's good. Three, three questions to go, okay. I, th- I think. How long have you been part of YVV? Um, you know, we would come back. We were, and I were living overseas in China, and we would come back during our home assignments and attend YVV. I think Di remembers and Rob might remember as well. And then uh, after we finished our missionary journey and we decided to relocate here, we came back in the end of 2010. And so we've been coming consistently since 2010, end of 2010 or 2011. Can you give me, us a 60-second snapshot of your journey of coming to faith? Yeah. I mean, I grew up in this area in the Yarra Valley. And um, when I was 16, I befriended a girl at school, 17, yeah. And um, she was a Christian. And she was, she was a little bit different to the, most of the other girls, you know. And, like, I was very much caught up in... Um, you know, girl culture and, you know, being a teenage, being a teenager, she lived differently. And it was kind of um, inspiring, actually. Mm. Yeah. She, we became friends and she started inviting me along to youth group. Um, And that was on a Saturday night. And so I would go along and then, like, I'd stay overnight at her place and then we'd go to church the next day. And we did this week after week after week. And, um... I just remember rocking up at church one Sunday and something just felt different. And I was kind of bought in, you know, and um, my life changed, like, so quickly after that. Are you, are you still in contact with this young lady? I am, actually, yes. Wow. She's still a good friend, yeah. That's really good. Yeah. Thank you. And finally, uh, as a community, how can we best pray for you, Renee, moving forward with the things that you have happening in your life? Oh, look, um, I would love um, prayer for... Um, I've just finished um, some training and um, I, work for a, I work for Lifeline and I'm a crisis support worker there. Um, I'd like to... And I've been invited on to in a mentoring role and so I'd like to kind of consider that as well and I'd appreciate your prayer. It's a big learning curve. Yeah. Um, and also, like, um, you know, I'm loving my pottery and, and I watch a lot of YouTube videos on how to, like, get better. And um, so, yeah, I'd love... And, like, I, I'm starting to sell a few items here and there. And, um, yeah, I just want to grow in that. Okay. Yeah. We're done. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'll take that.
Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Renee. I thought it was great. I hope you did too. Thank you. So, we've had the entree, we've had the mains, we've had dessert. Now we're just on to that little wafer thin biscuit and espresso to top the meal off with. So I conclude by gently encouraging you to take a step back in this, the early part of the year, and to consider your own story. How's it looking? How will the chapter of your story that is 2024, how will this intersect with other people's stories? What might be the things that the Holy Spirit is gently, or perhaps not so gently, talking with you about? Where is the great author leading you in his story? Thank you.